Welcome to another episode of Sales with Aslan. I am your host, Tom Stanfill, and I'm here with literally, I think it's been proven the best co-host, the best podcast co-host in history, Mr. Tab Norris. Welcome, Have a Tab. t-shirt. Thank you, Tom. You're so kind. You're always so kind. You lift me up. I do. I do need to get you a t-shirt. The best co-host in podcasting. <laughs> I do like that. And you know what? It's, un, you know, so far, Tab, I've been saying that now for several weeks and it's been uncontested. No one has called me or written me or said anything to the contrary. So I'm pretty sure it's true. Okay. That's good. That's good. I like that. I love, I love that. You're the wind beneath my wings, Tom. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I appreciate it. Well, as always, it is my pleasure to be here. Um, kind of continuing our process of development in the world mm-hmm. of sales. And, you know, today, Tom, fifth barrier from the book um, that we're going to talk about that we face when trying fifth to and final. It's a final fifth barrier. and final. This the is final. the grand they get past this barrier. They're going to sell millions of dollars every year and make millions of dollars. They get past this final barrier. Wow. So everybody's kind of on the edge of their seat mm-hmm. right now. Our guest is. I can, I can kind of see him right there. Um, and the final barrier is taking action. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the grand finale. How are we going to take some action? So, you know, Tom, set us up here. Yeah, taking action. I, I, this actually probably is the most misunderstood barriers. How do we get people to actually act? And most people, which is another way of talking about this in sales, is closing. You know, how do we close the deal? How do we close them? And a lot of people think about this as kind of we got to be, you know, we got to control, we got to manipulate, or we got to have some creative strategy. And, you know, we see people in movies, they do something at the end that just totally turns them around. And that's a misconception. Actually, this is probably the least, um, this is where probably selling and influence is least applied. Um, it's more, this is really more about alignment. It's about learning about where is the customer in their process, their decision-making process, and how do we align the next best step? So we'll talk more about that. Um, and But I'm, I'm most excited, before we dive into the topic, I'm most excited to introduce our guest, Tab. We've got a guest on the show who's yes. actually famous. I want to be famous, which is the only reason I wrote the book, was to be famous, which is not happening. But we actually have someone who's famous on the show. Uh, should you introduce him or should I? Yeah, him? I think just let me start and then you can add a lot of color. Okay. Right, I mean, because it's just, I, I, it just, it's, it warms my heart mm-hmm. um, to introduce John Sequera. Um, he's just one of our favorite people here at Aslan. He's very talented. He's successful in sales. He's, he has a cape. He's a national hero. I mean, he's a lot of things. I could gush and gush, but I won't just because mm-hmm. of time, Tom. But yeah, we are really excited, John, to have you uh, with us today. So, well, thanks. Thanks. I feel like uh, we could have gone on a little longer with the compliments, but I think that's really, yeah. <laughs> feel... okay. Okay. Let me add one. Let me add. No, you let don't me have add... to. I just feel no, like I want to add one more. That's I fine. Add more. Yeah. He's the only person I know that's been on a national television program and he's been featured in a documentary uh, on the Discovery Channel. The only one I know of it. So I was on so... the Bozo show when I was like eight. <laughs> I won the crazy dance contest. Uh, is that a true story, Tab? A true story. And it, 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 was, it was a big to, big Tootsie Roll filled with lots of little oh, wow. Tootsie Rolls. Yes. That was the one with the balls you threw the, yeah. the ping pong in the far yeah, away. That was, yeah, 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 that's great. That's great. So yeah. we're, we're peers. We are well, very similar. Televised. Yeah. 
<laughs> all of these accolades actually relate to um, actually relate to the topic du jour because um, actually we talked about I talk about John in the book because his story and relationship with Oprah actually offers some insights into how to overcome this last barrier. So John, tell us about your relationship with Oprah. Tell us about your, your experience that led you to become seriously a, a national hero and, um, and how it relates to our topic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with full disclosure, relationship with o Oprah sounds like some verbal clickbait. Uh, so <laughs> I guess that's a... exactly the purpose. Gosh, if you're so just good. tuning in, yeah. John Sequera has a relationship with Oprah. So great. Uh, yes, I have. I've had interactions with Oprah. I've been in her sphere, in her aura, mm -hmm. uh, based on uh, an experience uh, that that. Uh, gosh, Tom, you were you were kind of around for at the time yeah so uh what i think a lot of, i don't know a lot of people even within aslan don't know is that you and i met back in 2001 in september mm -hmm. of 2001 uh, i was working in new york and mm -hmm. uh my office was on the 81st floor of tower one of the world trade center and so uh, you and i met on a thursday yeah, uh, and I remember it well. And had a great time. I instantly fell in love with you. Uh, I assume the feelings mutual. It was and, uh, very mutual. And I, I immediately <laughs> thought, I want to hire that. That's my first thought after five minutes. And by the way, for those in our listening audience that don't know, that it, you know, I met John through uh, a guy that was working with Aslan at the time. And I mean, like, I want to hire him. How do we hire him? <laughs> well, you had your you had your chance because mm -hmm. uh, a, a handful of days after was uh, Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. And so uh, that day I was on my uh, in my office, uh, the 81st floor of Tower One, uh, the plane first plane hit our building. And uh, on the way out of the building, my then boss and I uh, happened upon a woman who was a wheelchair user on the 68th floor, and we helped her out uh, of the building, uh, carried her down the remaining 68 flights of stairs, and uh, evacuated our building about five minutes before it collapsed. Wow. Uh, the other building had already collapsed, and, uh, and, and so we, we were the last building standing, uh, put her in an ambulance, and... Uh, and, and we're caught in all the debris that you'd seen from, you've seen from a lot of that familiar footage of the collapse and the, the debris clouds and people right. running. And, mm. uh, and so that was, that was my experience. Uh, and uh, by, by a series of just remarkable, weird uh, events, uh, we, we got in touch with the media uh because we put uh our, our, our friend uh, that we had met at the time uh in an ambulance and that that evacuated before the building collapsed uh, and we'd never exchanged names numbers oh, we had really? no idea where she mm. yeah no idea i did not know that it was bizarre in that you know in an hour-long interaction that's about how long it took to it took, get down yeah. the building we never uh, i don't think we even knew her first name so, uh, so, so when, you know, we parted ways and the building collapsed, we weren't sure if that ambulance and, and if she had made it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we finally reached what was the barricaded area, that was the defining border that was now being called, you know, ground zero, we asked, you know, 
media people who were, you know, putting microphones in our faces to say, hey, if you want to do something super productive, uh, it'd be great to see if this person who fits this description and this type of ambulance uh, has made it out, check the hospitals, what happened. Wow. So that so you story, didn't know, you didn't know if she'd made it. No idea. Yeah. In fact, wow. our wow. story was in USA Today the following morning and still at that point we didn't know if she was if she was alive who she was any of that uh we were just we were asking reporters to see if they could track her down and mm. in so doing we were telling them the story and basically yeah, they right. were like yeah good enough for us let's put it to print and we're like yeah but we asked you to find a person yeah right and yeah. uh and it, it ultimately ended up happening uh the the friday after 9 11 we found out because uh, a what somebody from uh, People Magazine reached out to me and said, "Hey, we'd love to do a feature with you and Mike and Tina." So that sounds great. Who's Tina? And they said, <laughs> <laughs> "Love Tina. Now, who's Tina yeah. again? My yeah. favorite. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Schedule's sure. Clear. Who's Tina? Yeah, right. People Magazine. Sure. Who's <laughs> Tina? And wait, and how old were you at the time? Twenty-two. You were 22 yeah. years old. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I graduated in, uh, well, I graduated in May of 2001, moved up to the city in June and this was September 11th. Uh, so wow. it was short order. Uh, and so, yeah, they, that's how we found out that she was okay. And we, uh, yeah, we did a, a story with people magazine and then subsequently different media outlets reached mm -hmm. out and we were, we were featured on a few good morning America, uh, local news and, and kind of the, the capstone of all that, that kind of media, uh, sphere was the Oprah show. So wow. we were on Oprah phone up to Chicago treated at the, the famous Omni that they, uh, that they, they, they tout. And, um, and it was, uh, it was a remarkable, weird, surreal experience. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. It, there's a, yeah, they have so many questions, but I, even still, even after knowing you all these years and hearing the story and watching documentaries on you and seeing you interviewed, um, which by the way, John, for people that want to know more about it, what's the name of that documentary on the discovery channel? Cause I thought that was a, a very well done, uh, story about what happened and your involvement and just, just the, the 9-11 uh, experience period. Yeah, I think, um, I think that one on the Discovery Channel, there were a few. There's Discovery Channel, there was the History Channel. History Channel is the one I watched. I mean, I think, is it actually escaping the History the Channel? I think it's Escaping the Towers. That's the that one, one from okay. History Channel. That's the one I watched. And mm -hmm. you look fabulous in that one, by the way. Why, why thank you. Uh, my, that, was, that was among my favorite because really well the way they the way they organized the documentary was following two offices, mm -hmm. one okay. from each tower. That's right. Okay. And interviewing multiple mm -hmm. people. Like that was, you know, uh, most of the interviews have been, "Hey, John and Mike, tell your story. What happened?" And you can kind yeah, of rehash right. that a few. But uh, but hearing the perspective of some of my other coworkers, mm -hmm. some of whom I've never seen on camera, some of whom I've not seen since that week uh giving their perspective of what was going on and then hearing 
another office that was in Tower Two recount their story. It was awesome. And the way the the way the production team edited that, there mm-hmm. was a bit of a kind of a cliffhanger and kind of a, yeah. a twist. It was so it was so well done. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah. It was it was great. But yeah, that was the that was that might be the one you're you're thinking of. Okay, awesome. So if they want to know more about it, check out that documentary. So bring us to the topic at hand. So how does yeah. this relate to advancing an opportunity or getting past the first, the, the final barrier where you're, you're trying to advance the relationship and get people to take action and move forward? Yeah. So uh, to, revisiting the timeline of how old I was and when I graduated college, mm-hmm. uh, right after 9-11, about a, a week later, after we had kind of a regroup meeting with our company in New Jersey, I came back to Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where my family is and where I went to college at NC State. Uh, and so most of my friends were still were still in school. So I just popped back into the fraternity house like I like I never left. It was, it was four months ago, and a bit uh, and a bit more popular, a, a slightly more popular. Yeah. And so you know, there's a you know a bunch of our friends saying, you know, what is going on? What is this? And I saw you on this show in this magazine, and I was on the way to Oprah, and they said, man, you should be in Oprah's book club. And I said, I don't know what you mean. I don't have a book, and uh, you know, half of you can barely read. So that's a great. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great suggestion. I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And so I went on the Oprah show and it was, it was wonderful. She's wonderful. Uh, and we, I mean, we would talk in between commercial breaks and then we left part of ways. That was great. Uh, a f- couple years later, I ended up moving back to New York and through a friend of mine who has mm-hmm. some experience in writing and, and publishing, uh, he suggested that I start writing some of these experiences down uh, and, and some of the stories and the impact of, of, you know, how that event colored my life afterwards. Some of which was, you know, there was attempts at being lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately um, we, we wrote a book and it was, gosh, this was probably 2006, 2005, 2006. And we said, all right, we, we've got to figure out how to promote the book. What should we do? He said, why don't you call Oprah? And I said, that she loves like a, you. It's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> oh, just knuckleheads. Yeah. So I oh, had, so I had, mature. yeah, I had the number of the Oprah show. It was funny because when, uh, uh, when I was working with the producer, I had saved the number from the producer and it just showed up as Oprah. So I, you know, I, it looked like I had literally Oprah Winfrey's phone number in my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went, I went to go find that number of my contacts and, and hit, hit dial, left a voicemail, sent an email, sent another email and a voicemail. And uh, I'll let you guess on uh, whether or not she reached back out. Did the pigeons yeah. work or is that it just that was over <laughs> no, after that last email? There were no pigeons. We, but fiber fiber optic cable was fairly new at the time. I think there was probably a glitch there. But uh, yes, ultimately, uh, there was no response, uh, surprisingly, from Oprah. Uh, and so where, where I think it fits into the topic of today's conversation is, uh, you know, had I when I was on the show and while Oprah was being super gracious and we were having off-camera conversations in between commercial breaks, mm-hmm. had I suggested or brought up the topic, hey, 
I think maybe there's a way to uh, you know tell the story in the hope that it helps others. I mean, that was the right. whole that was the whole uh, selling point on my being on these shows. Because candidly, I wasn't super excited about traveling or being on planes. Yeah, uh, right. you know, after yeah. after the events, right? But the 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 I guess the selling point, the convincing, I suppose, uh, was hey, people are feeling down and they they you know, would love to hear the story in terms of being uplifting and, and having some silver lining uh, to an otherwise really tragic event. And so, um, you know, if I had brought that up at the time and said, hey, I'm thinking maybe I can you know, help some other people thinking about maybe I could write a book. Would you happen to know anybody, anything you'd suggest? Maybe at that time where she was focused on me in a 30 plus minute segment on a nationally televised show, globally televised show, I, I probably would have had a lot more success getting back in the door or getting some traction than waiting, what was that, four to five years later uh, after she's had hundreds of guests and trying to reach out and get back mm -hmm. on her radar. Yeah. So if you would have looked her in the eye, right, where you're two feet away from her yeah. and said, Hey, I really want to write a book. Let me just hear where this is what I think you're saying. I really want to write a book. I think it will help other people, whether regardless of what tragedy they've been through or trauma or anything, but I think it will help other people. Would you be willing to review the book or at least, you know, look at the, the proposal or the outline or consider this or provide any input, whatever you want to, would you be willing to do that? The chances of her saying yes, or at least saying, talk to so-and-so or be it being a positive response would probably dramatically increase. Had you looked her in the eye and said that at that That's moment. right. That's right. And as we're talking about body parts and such, I was sitting, <laughs> <laughs> I say this because, because I'm, I don't think I said anything about body. I think I, I, said I know. Where proximity. did that come from? You I think said, said eyes. Said eyes. Oh, okay. Okay. Eyes. All right. right. Okay. And, I did say eyes. That's, I did say eyes. And I was sitting next to her with mm -hmm. my legs crossed. And at one point she leaned over and touched my foot and said, that must've been terrible, scary, wow. something along those lines. And so, yes, as Oprah when Oprah, the most famous person I've ever been in the room with, uh, touched my foot, maybe, maybe I could have said, hey. You do have nice feet. I've always hey, said that about you. I've this said is, nice feet. it was so bizarre. Oprah's touching my foot. What the hell? Yeah, heck? you remember that. Right like, she, she's, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Uh, but I think this, this is such yeah. a, the reason I, I wrote about that in the book, A, because I do love you. Um, yeah, sure. You're right. one of my favorite. Yeah, everybody knows that. Same, um, same. Um, but I just love the story because that relationship that happens there when you're live. And then when you leave that meeting, the probability of getting back in that room, regardless of whether you're talking to Oprah or you're talking to a vice president of manufacturing or the director, or once they leave, there's so many competing priorities, your probability of getting back in there greatly diminishes. And that's such a great example of that. It, it, I mean, I, it is. I started once. Once uh, the trauma of uh, realizing a missed opportunity was uh, was comfortable for me. Yeah. I bring this up when we train. When we train this section mm -hmm. of the program, it's you know about advance. It's moving to the next step, and you hear routinely sellers who have what they think are good conversations with customers. Yeah. Where everyone's engaged. Everyone's excited. They're asking questions and. Mm -hmm they say some version of, all right, we're going to socialize this, or we're going to run it up the flagpole or, 
or hey there's yeah. some there's some stuff going on this week but why don't we touch when you reach out to me next week or next month and the sellers put it in their forecast or put in notes in salesforce and say had a great conversation i'm gonna, gonna call get, next yeah. week and i said guys how often do those people ghost you intentionally or unintentionally based on the priority you know issue that you're saying and you're going to be chasing them down meanwhile anything and everything can happen and you're unlikely or you're way less likely to get back in the door that way than if when everyone's excited and they're talking about socializing these things mm-hmm. you as the seller suggest that hey if you do believe that this is something that makes sense to pursue here's what I'd suggest we do. And here's a general range of when I suggest we do it. And why don't we get this on the calendar so that neither of us let it slip? And, yeah. There's and, a couple of things to unpack there that, that I, yeah. uh, that I, I, I love is that people, pe- pe- we all, I think we miss in sales, the idea that let's just, or let me say it this way. Let's just say that something is top priority. And then if they say, hey, let's let's get back together on this. I really want to talk about this later, but it's not nailed down. They probably really mean that. But as soon as you leave that room and you walk into another room, metaphorically, then all of a sudden the priorities and the things that you see in that room all of a sudden become important. And then they walk into another room and people aren't like this perfect, you know, they can't manage your life in such a way that they can look at all their competing priorities and all the things they want to do and perfectly stack them. And even if yours is, on the top of the list, they're going to forget that when they walk in the next room. And people actually make decisions based on most of the time what's right in front of them and what yeah. they commit to do. And I think the other important thing about getting people to take action is, is that once they commit to it, they will do it. Like mm-hmm. if you if you can get Oprah to say, yeah, I'll look at that. She now feels responsible to follow. She wants to be consistent with what she's verbally committed to. It feels wrong for us as humans to say, yeah, I'll do it. And they go, no, I'm not doing it. But if I can get people to say, and it's been proven, I don't have to bring up the studies now, but it's been proven that if people will say yes to something, they'll follow through most likely. Has that been true with what you've seen tab? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, And you know, it's, you know, I, I can, and, and you see people on the other side of this as well, right. Where, They've been trained on power closes or the yeah, yeah. close or the, yeah. or the Ben Franklin, you know, I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. the I 16 closing I, I some of those pups in my yeah, the past puppy life. dog, the puppy dog. Yeah. Closes. Use the puppy dog. You know, that's, a, so it's like, it's not that either. Right. And, and I liked Tom. I love in the book on page 218, we're, you know, kind of hitting, hitting a lot of this where you talk about the goal is not to manipulate, but to merely reveal the importance of being intentional about confirming the next step, which is, John, what you're talking about. Procrastination is not your friend. Receptivity to continue the dialogue diminishes and continues to diminish as soon as you walk out the door, Yeah, which is dead on. And that's exactly right. And I'm the same way. I see so many people that I tell them, you can give yourself a huge competitive advantage if you will just get a commitment, because guess what? And John, I don't know. You said something one time that I still talk about. Um, uh, you say, you know, I, I think about it like this, when I'm wrapping up a call or I'm wrapping up in a, a meeting, I always tell myself that my competitor is going to be coming behind me Ooh, I love and that. they are going to get a tight, specific next step. And so I know I will be a dis- at a disadvantage if I don't do the same thing. I, and I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you do, man. I was smart one time when I said that. One time you said time it. Yeah, I don't know when it was, but it locked into my yeah. brain, JC. I, I I still talk about it. So thank you. So, yeah, so I mean, John, other, go ahead, John. Oh no, just the, the you know the the big risk is what you just said, Tab. Uh, you might lose because someone else is moving the relationship forward. Uh, you might stall in almost indefinitely because you know when more priorities get on that decision maker's plate they're not sure which ones to pick and you can just get shoved out maybe you haven't mm. lost it's just a overwhelming delay or still probably the best case scenario but still not great is someone says yeah this sounds great and now you're just chasing them right <laughs> now you're chasing them and then you feel weird and now yeah. you're a nuisance but you're trying to figure out hey did they like this enough to where my persistent outreach is helpful or am i now a mm. nuisance and it's it's now eroding whatever relational equity we had during that call and now yeah. i'm just being a pain and they're like man i don't even like this guy's follow-up strategy i mean there's mm. a there's just a wealth of there's more risk than uh, you know to, to not doing it than there is to just saying hey i think we should set some time figure out what the next yeah. step is and, and let's let's continue this forward if to tom's point if that's aligned with where it seems like you are, right? Yeah. So it's not the power close. It's not the closing techniques. It's not the, you know, do you want this one or that one? Or should we connect tomorrow or next week? It's, it's hey, it sounds like you want to do this or at least mm -hmm. continue to evaluate. In order to do that, here's what I'd suggest we do. Why don't we find a time to make that happen? Yeah, and I think, I think the most, what I've seen, I think, in our experience, so it'll be interesting to hear what you guys say about this or if your experience matches up with mine. I think most reps don't want to do the power close. Like, they don't want to be perceived as uh, this manipulative sales rep that's doing some sort of technique and, you know, be aligned or associated with that rep. So what they do is they do nothing, right? Yeah. Because this is sort of the end of it and they don't want to be coming across to that. But, but I love to think, I love to make it very clear to the customer, like, should we do something together? Is this, is this something we need to pursue? If it's, it's okay, if what we offer doesn't fit, but based on what you told me in our previous conversation or, or in this call, or based on what I understand, it sounds like we need to move forward together, at least to do something. So let's, I think of it as create a fork in the road. Like, do we need to continue the go dialogue and go down this path of figuring out whether we need to work together or, or not. And it's okay, by the way, either way, say, but what I don't want to do, John, is I don't want to be the guy that says, all right, sounds great. We'll get back to you. All right, great. We'll call me later. And then you just keep calling. And that just that feeling of, Hey, the groveling I'm here. I'm, That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm here yeah. again. <laughs> I don't want to. And I get all these emails all the time. Like, hey, I don't want to be a nuisance. I don't want to be no. this guy. Tell me if I'm doing this too much or tell me, Hey, I'm going to give you the, What's that one that, what's that technique where you say, oh, this is the last one. The breakup yeah. email. The breakup yes. email. Yeah. Like all the, mm. it just feels yucky. I just want to repeat back to them what they told me. And I yeah. want to put something on the calendar. Do we need to put something on the calendar or not? And if we put something on the calendar, we're agreeing. If we don't want to put something on the calendar, fine. Yeah. But what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think most sellers don't want to do that. And that is an issue. I, you know, where I'm seeing it show itself more now versus years ago is in email. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's there's a lot of cheesiness still out there, and it's exactly what you're talking about. I must have missed you. We you must have accidentally <laughs> deleted my last email. Put this is top of your inbox. Finale. That's it. This is it. I I'm you're losing it. You're never going to get to hear from me again. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that is you're exactly right. Um, I think I think if once the if a if a rep gets to the idea of first i think that's the first step is to is to be comfortable with creating a fork in the road experience are we moving forward or not um and either answer is okay right if if maybe i'm it sounded like you're saying i heard you oprah based on our my what i understand about you you love to help people and you love to promote books that you think will help people. As I think that, so therefore, should I, based on what I know about you, maybe I'm misunderstanding, should I send you my manuscript or proposal or whatever? If not, fine, that's not your thing. Either answer is okay. So that we can get comfortable there. Then I think most sellers still make another mistake. And John, I want to see what your perspective is on. I think the next, so then they don't know what the next step should be. <laughs> right <laughs> oh no let's move forward uh okay <laughs> <laughs> right yeah well, right. Well, uh let's uh, what do you want let's do a proposal or what What do we do yeah I, do oh, you see vague. that as yeah yeah all right well let's uh well i need okay, well i do like to move uh, i think we should move forward i'm going to talk i'm going to talk to our people and uh we'll just we'll why don't you follow up with me in a month or two weeks or whatever when i and we'll let you know we'll talk about it and get together and it's real vague we don't have a clue yeah yeah well what's interesting about this topic is you know it it, we're talking about it towards the end of you know this podcast series because it's where it shows up at the end of the book because it's where it usually shows up in our program because chronologically in the conversation this is when it happens. You've had your conversation, you went to discovery, you've made a recommendation, now you're trying to move this forward. Um, And so it it seems reasonable to have this as the last step. But Tom, your point about the lack of clarity a seller might have in terms of what does this process look like, that should be easily well-defined in advance of even beginning the conversation. Uh, That is a brilliant point. Yes. Brilliant point. Like, what are we, what are Tab, we doing? This is why we had him on the podcast. It is. I, did, it, I, have, guys, a, I have a little tear, Tom, right there. Yeah. This is it. That, that, that really, I don't think I've actually ever made that point before. That's really brilliant. Let's talk about, let's, let's make sure we rewind that, get that. Even though it happens at the end, even though advance and getting a commitment to take action happens at the end, it really should be defined what the next steps are prior to the call. Yeah. Is that what you're from, saying? Well, you have from some a options. seller. It, it, well, in the in the overall, you know, you can call it the customer life cycle, the customer buying cycle. What are the stages usually represented by, you know, chevrons or like arrows that say, hey, first step is I've got to figure out if this is an account that I should pursue. Then I reach out to them. Then we have some evaluation conversations. Then there's a proposal. Then we then we transact. If you as a seller don't know how that trajectory ought to work, you're really going to be you're, you're going to be uh, hard pressed to guide the customer, not just in terms of next steps, but you know, we're, we're glossing over because this is where this you know, advance sits in this conversation. We're glossing over whether or not we uncovered where they are and aligned in discovery, right? Mm-hmm. I can't give you a next step 
if I don't know where you are and I see too many sellers glossing over discovery and saying, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you have the problem that, that I help solve. I don't know if you'd mm -hmm. like to pursue solving it with me. And I'm not sure if we've even tested out the potential process of what would make sense in terms of evaluating this, because if you do discovery well, and you know, all those things, by the time you get to advance, it's basically saying, Hey, remember all that Good stuff play. you said you wanted to fix? Yeah. Remember all that stuff you wanted mm -hmm. to fix and, and how you wanted to fix it and some options? Well, I think of those three options, I think we should do option two. Do you agree? If so, let's do it now. But it starts yeah. with what does that evolution of the relationship look like and starting that at the very beginning from the from pre-call, from pre-engagement in general, what mm. should we do? That's good. Yeah, I think that's a... Uh, I'd like to park on that a little bit because I want to back up and make sure that the listeners understand, or at least I think, cause I think I know what you mean, but I want to make sure this is crystal clear. We talk about, Please. we have our, we have our process, right? Which is the stage is kind of our process of working an opportunity or in our relationship, however you want to call it. And that's, that's intuitive dust and it should be right. We have like, you know, we know we go through the steps and we have to qualify and who we're going to pursue and we go through and figure out all, you know, then we got to propose and all those things and the steps that we have, but then there's this process for the customer to make it the best decision. Like what process should they go through that helps them evaluate how to solve this problem that they have and how to pick the right solution and all of that needs to be defined by us because we have the best insights on the best process for them to evaluate the solution because we're the ones that have been doing this for so long, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. It, 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 so we need to know what that process is for prior to even having the call, that process of, hey, if you're going to buy this software or buy this solution, we'll pick whatever solutions, you buy insurance, even something real simple. These are the steps that you should go through to figure out what you need and how to evaluate whether you buy from us or buy from anybody, there's a process. If you're going to renovate your house or you're going to pick, these are the steps that you go through to figure out what you need and who to, who to work with and whether you work with us or don't work with us. Is that, is that part of what you're, is that kind of what you're saying? That, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, depending on what you're selling, a, a, a lot of customers don't know how to buy what yes. you sell, right? right? And so you can talk about, you've got all these sellers. I see it. I see it mostly, you know, just because you know, people are learning in junior sellers, usually kind of that SDR role, lead gen mm -hmm. or, or account acquisition. They get all excited. They're making a bunch of calls or they're hitting a bunch of uh, prospects and they get somebody on the line and that person says, maybe, and they say, great, next step looks like this. And like, hold on a second. Or, or they say maybe, and then the seller starts extolling all the virtues, all the yeah. uh, all their benefits, and the customer says, "That's a lot." Okay, let me think about it. <laughs> yeah. and, and they yeah. go backwards. Yeah, they and unsell the, it. That's right. And yeah. the, the, the customer's like, "I don't know even what to do with all this information." And now they yeah. go back and regroup. And so you've got sellers who aren't oftentimes super helpful to the customer in saying, "Hey, if you're where if if." If you're at the stage that I see a lot of customers, you know, at, at that, you know, kind of this part of the conversation, you might be thinking this, is that what you're thinking? Good. Mm -hmm. If so, then we might want to address this thing, or we might want to do this step. And now you start moving into not just moving the 
deal along more efficiently, but you're building that that level of receptivity by being the trusted partner that says, I'm not just trying to sell you stuff. I'm trying to figure out the best way to help you evaluate this solution. Yeah, no, that's great. That's good. Well, uh, John, any, I know we talked about a lot of great stuff here and I think that was a, a nice recap. Um, any other advice kind of as we move to wrapping up here? I mean, just any other kind of high level advice you would give around taking action? You've got what, 15 plus years of experience being an incredible sales guy. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, before you go on Oprah, if you want to do anything, you should, you should take this training. I wish I'd done that. But then I wouldn't, you know what, I wouldn't be working with you guys. I'd be like, That's Oprah you'd be famous. Right. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know you. No. Ah, you would have gotten, you would have oh, gotten invited yeah, to the yacht by now. That's true. I did meet you before Oprah. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah, true. We, we'd have been great friends, great pals. Mm. Uh, but uh, no, I, I really think the advice is um, do the, do the work up front to make sure that you know enough about the where the customer is in terms of evaluating your solution so that you can give an other centered uh, what reasons suggestion for why whatever next step makes sense makes sense right mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just the person trying to push prematurely for a close or it's disconnected from what you heard but when you can say I've spent enough time with you to understand that you seem to be solving, trying to solve this problem in this way this is where you are in your evaluation process based on where you are here's what i think as the expert in helping people make these decisions what i think we should do next would that be okay because mm-hmm. once you understand that now you can get passionate about making the suggestion which solves that problem where we were we were talking about sellers not wanting to do that because it's cheesy or feels premature mm-hmm. so do the work up front so you can be passionate about what you're suggesting next. Got yeah, it. I love awesome. that. You know, if I, if I think about what we're talking about, if we could just simply say it this way, we should lead the process. That's right. We should know what it is. Like, here's the best way to evaluate this type of solution or how to solve this problem, regardless whether you work from us or not. We should define the process because we do it all the time and the customer may have yeah. never done it or done it enough, and we should lead that process. And it's not coming from a place of manipulation. It's coming from a place of I'm the doctor, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I do this surgery all the time. If you want to go, if you want to heal, this is the process to go through. Whether you use me as a surgeon or not, I'm the expert. So we need to be the expert. And I think your example of the SDR who doesn't really know, it's just like, we just throw stuff out and we throw stuff out about our solution and we throw stuff out about how to move forward and hope they pick something positive right, <laughs> versus right. like, like, Hey, look, it's the goal after we go through the discovery process is really just, we need to lead. And, and um, it's not, again, out of a, a place of trying to win. It's a place out of uh, really comes from a place of serving, but we yeah. can't serve if we don't know. Yeah. Tactically speaking, on this stage beyond that kind of the motive and doing the work up front is don't sleep on the power of an outlook invitation. Don't sleep on the power of, Hey, we're on the phone right now, or we're in a meeting right now. You think this is a a good next step, you know, Mr. Miss customer. Why don't we pull up our laptops or open up our calendars and sync them right now? Mm -hmm. Because that step alone is such a pain to reprioritize 
you know, hours, days after yeah. that meeting. But if you can say, look, we're going to take 30 seconds right now and let's sync up that time. Uh, that little nuance, sometimes kind of annoying feeling step from the seller perspective can make all the difference. Oh yeah. When people need it. Yeah. I got one other, what, one other question I want to ask you, John, before we, before we end today is because this all sounds great in our podcast, you know, define the process, you know, create a fork in the road, be other centered, you know, and, and offer these next steps based on the best way for the customer value. But what about when the customer says, no, I don't want to do it that way. Mm. I want to do it differently. And you know, they, because of their inexperience are moving down the wrong path, which will ultimately cost them and cost you. So when do you push back? Like, when do you, when do you say, well, I'm mm. not going to go down that path with you. Ooh, that's or, and another, another way to, another way you can answer that question is what do you see the, the most successful sellers do? That's more mm -hmm. uh, an easier way to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, the, the next step that, that the best uh, consolation prize to getting the, the calendar invite is to say, okay, well, if we don't want to set the next step, but we agree that we should continue the conversation. Is that what you're saying? We, we do want to, we do want to revisit no, this. I'm actually saying more like the next step they pick. So let's say you just met them, you know, yeah. you just met the customer and it's like an RFP situation. And they're like, yeah. Hey, we want you to, uh, we want you to just respond to the RFP and they're like, well, yeah, but, but we'd like to learn more. We don't really know much about your organization. So it's going to be hard for us to respond to the RFP. Mm. Um, uh, so we'd like you to do that. Or we'd like you to come present, but not know anything, or we like, we want you to show up. So they want you to do something and you know, we're going to make it like, we're going to make a decision with very little information. You're like, that's not a good idea. Or we're going to choose a firm that does this and this. And you're like, well, that's not the kind of firm you need to choose. Mm -hmm. And so there's a flaw in their process. So it's not so much that they won't commit to something, but they want you to commit to something that you know is a bad idea. And I'll give you an example. Mm. Like uh, a company once said to me, kind of related to the RFP scenario, they said, well, we want you to answer. They were willing to meet with us. And they said, they said, we'd love to, we'll give you whatever information you want about our company. We'll let you meet with a lower level person who doesn't know very much. And we'd like you to respond to the RFP. And uh, then we're going to make our decision based on your response to the RFP. They're like, well, you're never going to meet us. You're never going to allow us to give you more information or do a demonstration or demo or walk you through what we do or meet our team. Nope. We're just going to do, we're going to based on the words that you write on a page. That's how we're going to make our decision. So I was faced with the decision. Do I want to spend the two days of writing a response to an RFP? Cause that's going to be hard mm -hmm. uh, or say no. So I'm asking you how, when no. do you say no <laughs> And when do you say, okay, even though I may not agree with it, I'll say yes. Yeah, that, that was going to be my answer. To, to that scenario, it's a, it's a no. Or it's yeah. a, <laughs> guess what? There's a suggestion of, I, that doesn't seem like the best way to do this. So what I can do, there we go into the, the I can responses. Yeah. What I can do is I can give you a range of pricing and I can give you some preset collateral. If that's what you'd like to figure out, to have a conversation, I can do that. But if you want me to give you a recommendation and a scoped out project, I need, we need, we probably need to learn more and spend a little bit more time. That's okay if you don't want to do that, but here's where, here's where we are. 
Well, so I you've walked what, yeah. away. So you've walked away from deals like that. I mean, you've said, "Hey, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to play by those rules because it's not in your best interest." Uh, uh, I've I've throttled my level of effort based on that, yeah. and telling yeah. and with with full disclosure of what I'm providing and why, and it's usually based on, hey, based on what you're telling me and the level of information we have, here's what we're gonna here's what we're gonna give you. Uh, hopefully I would suggest that is followed by a deeper discovery conversation, some evaluation, yeah. some walkthrough of what we do mm-hmm. up to you. If you don't want to do that, here's what I'm going to send you now. And so yeah. it's, it's a nice way of saying, yeah, it's a nice no. way of saying no, but it's it, it, for every deal you win, you lose a deal, right? I mean, now, so if you're spending your time that, chasing an RFP, that's a waste of time that you know, you're going to lose. That's just not wise, not a good use of your time. Probably. That's right. And the other piece is you know, the, the full on no comes when people want you to travel to go to go do a presentation <laughs> the full that's one. that's what's like look there's there's because there's no other other than a quick virtual meeting there's no you're either there or you're not there you're going or you're not in the in the rfp response it's mm-hmm. i'm not doing 40 pages of an rfp rfp or putting this in all your ariba boxes i'll give you what we have <laughs> unless unless i'm happy to fill out ariba boxes but i need this information probably from these people so right. happy to do your thing when this happens right yeah I, I my hard no is when i know that i'm going to lose the opportunity based on what they're asking me to do or i know that the mistake they're going to make is so um detrimental to what they want to do or to the company that i think it's just that's just it's just not something they should do. And I feel so strongly about it. I want to take a stand and almost throw them off by saying, I'm not, I'm not willing to participate in this fiasco. <laughs> Even I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not willing to participate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember saying, I, I said this to somebody one time, and I've said this a couple of times that they, they wanted in our business. Um, I, if, if they don't meet the team, it's a big mistake. You got to at least meet the people that are going to be in front of your sales organization. In our world, if you're going to hire a sales training organization, you've got to meet them. And this is what I say, is I say 50% of the success of this project would be based on the people that you hire, not the content, not the program, but the, what you can see and read, but the people that bring the content to life, that work with your senior leaders, that work with your frontline leaders and people that will work with you to customize the program. So if you don't meet the people and you make a decision, this, this project will fail. And you may get lucky. So I don't think we're going to participate if you don't want to meet us. And when I said that, they changed. Hmm. Uh, and now I think what's important about that is I didn't say that like, I, I think you're an idiot. I said it like, it's just don't, it won't be successful. You won't get what you want. And also I was working with someone who had never done this before. And I felt like it was so important for me to educate them on this process. Again, what I like to take the stance, whether you hire me or you don't hire me, if you're going to go down this path, this is what you need to be aware of. I almost felt like I need to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gives me the confidence to say some of those hard things. This isn't about me. Yes. I want to win, but you're going to, you're, you could lose your job over rolling this out. You're about to roll out a sales trading program to those yeah, local you want, people. Why don't we co- wait just a second to chat about <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, I don't want you to lose your job. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, I think we ought to wrap this up, Tom. Thank um, you, Cal. Kind of pull us together. Give us the final, you know, just a couple of takeaways. 
Yeah, I think I, I love this, John. I've, I've learned some things from you as always do. Uh, but, but I think, you know, the idea that when we leave the room, our prob probability to win and, and guide the process uh, and, and for the customer to see, the decision maker to see the, the, the priorities and keep this as a top priority is going to diminish. We're just, as soon as we leave the room, then all of a sudden, all the other competing priorities come into the picture and our, our probability to get a commitment is going to diminish. I also love what John talked about is defining the, the, the process to how a customer needs to buy the buying process, not just our process, but the buying process needs to happen before the call. And then we line, we align where they are in their, in their decision-making process or where they are with that process, with the, 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 the right steps, right? We just align that. So knowing where they are and knowing what the process is, I think is the key. So at least that's what I, that's what I took away from it. And if you meet Oprah Winfrey, um, whether you're writing a book or not, you should ask her if she's willing to promote the book. Just, and, yeah, to do something. She or would just, just hang out later. Go to her, yeah, yeah just hang something. <laughs> Otherwise, good. you'll never see her again. That's awesome. Well, guys, I enjoyed this. It was excellent. John, always a pleasure to be with you. And thanks, thanks for your buddy. insights. Same. Thank you. Yeah. And so. if, uh, yeah, so if those of you listening, uh, love your feedback, like the podcast, give us comments so we know uh, that's helping or what else you'd love us to, what other topics you'd love us to cover. Thanks guys.